To up for discussion, an emotionally honest podcast. Uh, this is February twenty sixth, Black uh, History Month, and <laughs> what's Febu- happening? I don't know. I don't know. You never let me do this <laughs> for this reason. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to episode two hundred nine of Up for Discussion, the emotionally honest comedy podcast, where we take your questions and dish out hot treats and tasty goofs. I know where the coffee starts. Tom Zalat and I. I'm Adrian Schoen, and he did not put the first part first. <laughs> We've got a guest joining us in studio today. Uh, he is a brand new member of the Upford Network who mm-hmm. co-hosts a brand new show with me called Blasting Off Again. Uh, it's a Pokemon podcast, and you can get the trailer of it today and the first couple episodes of it tomorrow. Give a warm welcome to Will Grant. Hello. Ah. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank Exciting you. times. For a new show. <laughs> About time. <laughs> Will's been working on stuff here behind the scenes since mm-hmm. September. Oh. Uh, yeah, September. Yeah. God. Sounds right. <laughs> That's gone a long time. Yeah. yeah. So 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 tell the folks at home a bit about yourself. My name's Will. I'm from Scotland, as you might be able to tell from the <laughs> drastic change in accent. <laughs> um, I recently moved to Canada in September, actually, on mm. September 1st, for love. We're going to be starting two shows. One's in the works uh, with myself and my girlfriend, Well, I'm trying to convince her to like professional wrestling. Oh, nice. (laughs) The one that is uh, launching tomorrow, Mm -hmm. exciting times, is uh, Blasting Off Again, which is our Pokemon podcast. Indeed. If uh, if you guys listen to my Frasier podcast at all, it is similar, but I, I think maybe better. Yeah, yeah. We go a lot deep. We go like too deep into a kid's tv show yeah we? that's pretty much the premise that's it okay. yeah um if if you listen to gal chat then you may have heard me on there mm-hmm. speaking about women's professional wrestling oh nice um, yeah it's it's a really big movement at the minute so like you know go back and listen to it because it's really relevant yeah <laughs> i i appreciate the show glow Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm always teetering on the edge like i really like the idea of professional like <laughs> wrestling, but I don't really know that much about it. Yeah, but when it's, I see it's it, a I deep rabbit hole. Enjoy <laughs> it, and I think I would like it if I was in that world. But mm. I don't really like. I've not delved into it. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of like the Doctor Who of sports, because like people who love it love it, mm. but it's so hard to like just pick it up and get into it. Mm. Yeah, I, that, that's kind of where I've got the the issue at the minute is like, my girlfriend's like, who's he? I'm like, oh, he's this? And she's like, why, why is he doing this? I'm like, well, 20 years ago, uh, <laughs> this happened. And then there's fallout from that. <laughs> yeah, when I remember when I was a kid, wrestling was like, a thing that was definitely within my like world like like my friends loved it Mm -hmm. but i never got into it and i feel like because of that now i can't so i'm really looking forward (laughs) to like when you guys launch that i'm going to listen along and sort of see if it tangentially ends up making me like wrestling yeah hopefully it does i mean like i i need more friends to go to wrestling with (laughs) yeah uh, well and uh we have a a mutual friend at the theater who is a wrestling heel 
Mm. And I've been dying to go see. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like Montreal has a like a wrestling scene, mm-hmm. and like it, it, yeah, it, it seems like a really fun sort of subculture to dig into. Yeah, mm. two of the best wrestlers in the world are from Montreal. Okay. Uh, Sami Zayn, who is uh, Montreal native, and then there's Kevin Owens, who is from Maryville. Okay, so not too far away. But mm. yeah, they're they're easily two of the best in the world Sweet. just now. Yeah, I'm sleepy. It's been a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tired. This is like the second week in a row that I've just like blanked within the first three minutes of the show. Eh? Yeah, you, you, I was really I'm like zonked. on tender hooks, like waiting for what that next sentence was yeah. going to be. And... I'm just tired. I'm a tired boy. I feel like so one of the things that we like that we do here on this show is that we we call ourselves the emotionally honest comedy podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Which like at first just kind of started out as like a thing that we said because a lot of people were asking us like deeper questions and we're like, well, we're not just a comedy podcast. We get serious sometimes. (laughs) How can we brand that? But I've been kind of thinking about that as like a challenge recently of like, how do we, how do we bring more truth to that title? Right. How Mm -hmm. do we be more honest about like where we're at? And I realized like, I've got to just start being honest when I'm like too fucking tired to do this show. (laughs) (laughs) So this is it. You guys are getting me at like 50% tonight, but I think (laughs) I think that that's Please keep okay. listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there there is another element of show business in which yeah. <laughs> maybe you don't divulge that. <laughs> like, just because my energy level's at 50% doesn't mean I'm not going to give you 100% of myself. Sure. sure. Well, maybe you broke it down. 100% of your 50%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's it's more effort than I put in when I'm at 100%. Because you know when you're when you're at your best, you sometimes get sloppy. And you're like, I'm going to give 80% today and it'll be good enough. <laughs> well, you know what, guys? Today you're getting my 100% of my 50. <laughs> my dad always referred to something where uh, he calls it over-functioning. And I think like when you try too hard, like you have that feeling of like you're over-functioning. Like right. you're doing too many things in a way that's actually worse for what you're trying to accomplish. <laughs> Uh, I, I do think that sometimes like if you, you feel like, oh, this is all the marbles, I'm going to put everything, it never goes well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, burnout burnout's a thing, right? Like especially our generation because we're all millennials technically, right? Yeah. <laughs> like we've been, there's been so much recently on the internet about how we're the burnout generation. Where yeah. Everyone's just like, I'm just going to work till I feel like garbage and then I'm going to work <laughs> a little bit more because I have no self-worth outside of that. Sure. Yeah, I had this discussion with uh, one of my friends the other day. I was like, it, it's sad because we're probably the last generation that understands the kind of peacefulness of a, of a, a like non-distracted poo. <laughs> right. Like, sure. Because like now, like as if you're in there and you've got nothing occupying yourself, you almost feel guilty yeah. that, you know, oh, I should be watching a video or I should be, you know, checking my emails or right. something like that. And I could be like, tweeting about my podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have like, so, so when, uh, if only one of us is home with Toby and we have to go to the bathroom, we have to take him with us, right? Mm. So we have this little chair that we can put him in. That's like one of those like comfy, sort of vaguely bouncy baby chairs. And without fail, most mornings while Teffer's dropping off our, our older kid, I'm like, I have to poop. Sorry, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Plop him in the chair and bring him into the bathroom. And like, he just sits there kind of staring at me like, you're, are you for real right now? <laughs> and like, I, I, I kind of feel like, already he has something entertaining him while he's in the bathroom right (laughs) because like his entire experience in there is just i'm gonna look around 
And like, I see that my dad is on his phone (laughs) (laughs) and like, yeah, he's, he's already got that. Like he's never going to know life without some kind of entertainment on the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's going to grow up like, how do I get my dad to love me as much as his phone? (laughs) (laughs) It's never going to (laughs) happen. You know, like I don't love my phone that much (laughs) is the thing I've been realizing. Like I, I need it. And I really need it. But I think I see my phone the same way I see like jeans with pockets where it's like, it's a thing I absolutely have to have. And Mm -hmm. I constantly have it on me and I use it all the time, but I don't necessarily like, I don't want to wear pants. Right? Like if I could not oh, wear I pants, the I'd... pockets were the problem. <laughs> I thought you just wanted pocketless pants. Yeah. Well, no, but it's like, I don't want to wear pants, but I need to. They're useful because of the pockets. So if you if you could get surgery and just put pockets on your legs, yeah, then you'd be sorted. I would. I'd be into it. Interesting. Uh, Yeah, yeah. That's it. Maybe when you get older, just stretch. (laughs) Just just like a little incision. (laughs) Gross. Oh man. Yeah, but yeah. So so on the on the whole burnout thing, Will, when you reached out to me initially back in like June or whatever, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, here's someone who wants to work with our network. But wants to edit stuff himself. Yep. You're like, shit. win. <laughs> He's a diamond in the rough. <laughs> so, and it's like, I I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to meet with this guy. I'm going to talk to him, hear his ideas. And I was like, okay, cool. Not only are his ideas great, not only does he want to like edit stuff himself, which means that like working with you does not actually add any extra work to me, but also you're lovely. <laughs> oh, cool. I, I get a friend who is also like utilitarian (laughs) which like is is really handy because it's like oh cool like there is someone here who can who wants to work on something with me but it's not going to contribute directly to my burnout he's the pockets to your pants well that's it (laughs) i i actually what it is is you are like a fanny pack (laughs) or or a a sporran as it would be in scotland yeah there you go exactly like i want to like strap you around my waist and in in the UK, fanny means a very different thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you were, you were one of my first experiences of like meeting somebody in Canada, and we went to Saint Vieta, mm. which is tragically closing. Like I know, in a how sad, weeks. how sad. Yeah. And we had like twelve cups of coffee. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> it was it was horrific. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, it was it's really interesting because my two meetings of people here mm. have involved 12 cups of coffee or 12 pints of Guinness, which oh. was my boss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that that tells you something about the kind of people who live here. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. No, for yeah. sure. It's been, it's been a ride. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. It's awesome. If you guys uh, want to hear a whole lot more of me and Will talking about suicide bomber coughings and stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, talking about the ethics of Pokemon. <laughs> like, I feel like that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, we got deep into some of the last ones. Like, you know, there's one of the uh, kind of episode six, I think. Yeah, maybe. It's like episode six around there, and we're not high. But I swear <laughs> to God, like, if you listen to it, yeah. It, it feels like a little... Well, I think we get high on the on the like pure joy of watching joy, a children's cartoon <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's it it's like i think we we take this challenge of watching a cartoon that we have like nostalgic attachment mm-hmm. to 
that is like not very good. Yeah. <laughs> and and trying to find lessons in it, right? Like we so far we've talked about like, you know, racist depictions of black people yeah. and like um about yeah. well, sing, single fatherhood and like the ethics of animal abuse and right. environmental stuff like the, the, in each episode is kind of flexing my media degree right. really and that's kind of what, what it is is <laughs> it's kind cool. of like i've got to justify to my parents that i went to university for three years and right. studied this shit so. <laughs> <laughs> and what better way to justify it than by talking about a cartoon from the next exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, most people don't get that much use out of a degree, so I no, say more exactly. power to you. <laughs> That's it. I, I always joke that like doing media review podcasts feels like what my life was leading to back when I used to work as like a youth pastor, because all I ever did was like either read texts and find you know, force myself to find meaning in them so I could talk about something in a sermon or, you know, watch TV and find parallels to Jesus in it. (laughs) (laughs) I can watch Frasier and and unpack it on a deep level. So which Pokemon is most like Jesus? Oh shit. In terms of like self-sacrifice, I guess. Um, I think in the canon of the TV show, it's probably Pikachu. Yeah. Well, just like thinking about like how often Ash's Pikachu kind of like throws itself in the line of fire to like protect everyone yeah, i guess so yeah not like golem with its self-destruct self-sacrifice <laughs> i feel like it's a little different if you kill yourself like jesus didn't kill himself yeah. he just let himself be killed by other people yeah yeah didn't kill himself to then kill the other person which yeah it's probably a different type of yeah that that's it it's, it's a different thing like i feel like there's a number of occasions where pikachu like either takes the hit for someone or keeps fighting so that other people don't have to, or like so that Ash can win or whatever, but at the cost of its own health, or lets itself get kidnapped because mm-hmm. it's like oh more da- less less dangerous for everyone else. Yeah, Pikachu really is the the Christ figure in the Pokemon universe. Yeah. And I, who can forget uh, Jesus's you know all remembered uh, words of Pika. <laughs> <laughs> At that really dark episode when they crucified <laughs> Pikachu. <laughs> it's oh like God. late into season 12 for I to start running out of ideas. <laughs> uh, let's not forget about the time that Pikachu pushed a bunch of pigs off a cliff. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, I, if you ever need somebody who has no idea of what's going on, <laughs> I, I love anime and I some and I love over uh, analyzing things, but Sweet. I know nothing about. I, I saw a Digimon. Is that like acceptable in the Pikachu like or not Pikachu like Pokemon <laughs> fandom? Is like Digimon like a lower level thing or is it just something else entirely? This is, we haven't gotten into this together no, yet, have we? That's I, weird. I have tattoos of both. Okay. So I'm I'm a big proponent of both being great in their own merit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Pokemon video games are infinitely better than the Digimon ones. I think the Digimon TV show is better than the Pokemon TV show. Ooh. Um, I think that's a fair comparison. I haven't watched much Digimon, but I know from talking to people that Digimon gets very good. Yeah. Um, well, stay tuned for our other podcast <laughs> where, <laughs> where we watch all of Digimon. <laughs> Uh, um, help me <laughs> <laughs> anyway if, if all of this sounds good uh go check out blasting off again you can subscribe on itunes right now to get the like teaser trailer thing mm-hmm. uh and like we said tomorrow morning or on the 26 uh, 27th if 
you're listening to this late, uh, all of the first few episodes will also be available. So go check that out. And if you support us on Patreon for that, awesome uh, yeah, we, we, uh, so, so patrons of that show get to, uh, get a commentary track for every episode of Pokemon. Uh, Cause we figured we're already watching through the show together. (laughs) We might as well record it and monetize it. Oh, that's fun. And then you can understand why when we get to the show, we can't remember what's gone on because we've been talking to each other throughout the entire show. So (laughs) exactly what we're saying is go listen to our terrible Pokemon podcast. Oh, hi. Um, can you wait on it? Oh, shit. God damn. Hi, yeah. Um, I'm just gonna wash my hands here. Uh, I know what you're wondering. What are you doing in my bathroom? Well, this is very easy to explain. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me just blow dry my hair here. Uh... I'm here to tell you about Lasers on the Ride podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcast. It's a mix of comedy, uh, interviews, and the existential drama that only real life can bring. Now I'm going to go take a shower. Goodbye. Hey you! Do you make stuff or want to make stuff? Are you having a bit of a time finding a space that fits all your functional needs? Well, good news for you, friend! That's because friend of the show, good boy George Poppy, is trying to figure all that shit out for you by creating a collaborative workspace for all your assorted production needs. Check out chaos.co, K-H-A-O-Z dot co. Fill out the form and let George know exactly what you've got going on that best suits your production needs. Let's make stuff, but you know, collaboratively, because only together can we save enough money to have a popper's dinner at Burger King. Chaos.co. K-H-A-O-Z dot co. Hey, I'm Aaron Lakoff, host of Changing on the Fly, a brand new podcast on the Upford Network. Changing on the Fly is a podcast that dives deep into the intersections between hockey and social justice. We take on issues of sexism, racism, and homophobia on the ice. You'll hear from athletes, activists, fans, scholars, and even musicians who love hockey but want to keep the jerks out of the game. Think Colin Kaepernick or Serena Williams, but with skates and less teeth. It's your perfect antidote to Don Cherry and Coach's Corner. Hey Don, what do you think of changing on the fly? Not the left-wing pinkle media, bleeding hearts guys. What are you, nuts? Anyways, you can find Changing on the Fly wherever you get your podcasts, or visit us online at changingontheflypodcast.wordpress.com. Welcome to the Cash Corner, the part of the show where we shamelessly ask you to give us money. In life, there's a lot of things we can't control. We don't choose the body we're born in. We can't predict lottery numbers. We can't even predict the weather accurately half the time. Julian. That lack of control can be a really uncomfortable thing, but it doesn't have to be. Take comfort in knowing that one of the things you can control, at least to some extent, is how you spend your money. For example, you can pretty easily make the decision to support us on Patreon, and by doing that, you get control over the content we produce. So, go do that, and take control of your life. If you pledge as little as a dollar a month to us at patreon.com slash up for discussion, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Candice, Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Jan, Jillian, Killian, Angie, Sarah, Angelica, Will, and Anne. (laughs) You'll get early access to bonus content, little behind-the-scenes updates, and all kinds of other sweet perks as well. And if you give us at least $5 a month, you get to submit the featured question for an episode once per cycle 
on the show. Today's feature Patreon question comes from Kendallin, who asks, how do you regain control of your life? <laughs> Give us money. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so I feel like we're, we're a good group to talk about this, probably. As a yeah. person who dropped out of school to do this kind of stuff professionally, someone who has uh, moved to a different country and started a new career, yeah. and someone who moved to a different country for love, mm-hmm. we're, we're a good trio. I yeah. So. yeah, people expertise and starting over. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's really what regaining control is, right? It's it's starting something new. Mm-hmm. So our advice so far is move to a different country. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I I do not recommend that. Do not. <laughs> Why? What's wrong with Canada? Nothing. It just turns out immigration is very expensive, very mm. complicated, oh, yeah. and causes you to uproot everything that you know and love. Right. Oh, dear God, tell me about it. <laughs> It seems very romantic and glamorous until you do it. And you're like, oh, this sucks. There's so much paperwork. (laughs) I have to have a tax guy now. (laughs) That's true, actually. Yeah, launching a small business also involves taxes. So maybe don't do that either. We're terrible. (laughs) Give up on your dreams. They're hard. (laughs) Stay at home with your family forever. Do what's familiar. Make baby cozy. So advice, any any advice on regaining control? I mean, for, for me, the thing that really sparked in my head when I first saw this question was, um, so late, late couple of years ago now, um, we had a referendum in Scotland where we had the opportunity to take control. Right. And it, it was uh, an independence referendum where we were going to break away from the UK. And it was that opportunity to do that. And I think that if we'd done that, then life would have been very different for a lot of people and for myself. Mm. Um, and it, But in doing so, it kind of shook me up and realized that I need to try and, you know, do this thing. I need to take control of my own manifest destiny. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> We just lost a couple of foam panels from the wall. Just slapped in the face. <laughs> it was like, what's that crinkling sound? So um, it, it was it was that idea where this could have gone a different way and then life could have been different. But I'm now stuck with how it is. Mm. But in my head, I'd already made these ideals of what life would be. Right. And so that's when I, I started thinking, like, well, I, I'm going to move to Canada because okay. Canada's what I imagine Scotland would be like if it said yes. Hmm. Um, and I kind of started off as a joke. It was started off as a, oh, you know what, if we say no, I'm going to move to Canada. You know, <laughs> yeah, that, that will show them, you know, get, get tea and all of this. And then as time went on, it kind of started in my head where I was like, do you know what, this isn't such a, a bad idea. Hmm. Um, and then I met Amanda hmm. And fell in love within like a week. <laughs> and then it started going in my head. I was like, actually, now I've got a reason to do this. Right. And it's not just a hypothetical, oh, yeah, I'll move to Canada. It's now actually that this is more destiny. This is more. Mm. So my, my, my hypothesis in life in terms of how you take con- control of things is take those signals when they come and then go with it. Hmm. And like things are scary, things are terrifying, and life now is terrifying. This is 
my third job that I've mm. got at the minute. Right. And, you know, this is living in 2019 is living on hard mode. You right. Know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good luck, Generation Z. Um, <laughs> but once you kind of start to go, okay, things are crap, but if I go with this, mm. who knows where it's going to take me. Right. That's when you start taking like real interesting stuff. Mm. And like the things that I've done is because I have a hard time saying no. Mm-hmm. And if I if you're saying no to things, then you know you know, you regret a hundred percent of the th- you, <laughs> the you won't regret a hundred percent of the things that you say yes to, mm-hmm. but you will regret a hundred percent of the things you say no to because you'll be like, why didn't I do that? Mm. Like something could have happened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. So that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were lovely. <laughs> <laughs> My response to this was was so hard and bitter. <laughs> In response to that, every yin needs a yang. So. That's true. <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm a pragmatist at heart. So, <laughs> I, cause I, my first question was kind of, what, what made you feel like you know you've lost control? Mm. Um, what what is that perception? Um, because I I think like. If control has been taken from you, like, I don't know, your house burned down and everybody died in a blaze of horror and, um, you know, total external uh, circumstances, or if there's something that you've identified within yourself that uh, you realize is destructive or, you know, all of those things, I mean, the only thing you can do is uh, take it one day at a time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of keep charging forward and, and taking control where you can. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I liked your answer so much cause it, it was, <laughs> you know, it was that space to dream and it is very true. Mm. Like I, you can't be too afraid of the things that you move away from because they weren't making you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the things that you like, the adventures you embrace when you say yes, mm. uh, which, which I think a lot of my, like the best things in my life have been just random shit that I said yes yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like yeah. I very rarely say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm noticing a common thread here. Yeah, just that people who are bad at saying no feel like they have more control over their life. Yeah, which is interesting because I actually can can say that I have the opposite thing, where I was bad at saying no to things for a really long time, and that was what was contributing directly to my feeling like I had no control over mm-hmm. things. Um, and so I, I wonder if it's just a matter of if you feel like you have no control, you need to identify what it is that is giving you that feeling Mm -hmm. and then figure out where to go from there. Because for me, it came down to, I am in a structure right now. Like, like for me, it was leaving the church was what helped me feel like I had control of my life again. And I, I mean, obviously that's different for everyone, but for me, I was in a situation where my time was being taken advantage of really significantly and people were really controlling around that. And like, I kind of was being like taught that I shouldn't say no to like a lot of stuff because, you know, my worth was in like what I could do for God or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, when I left that, when I recognized that that was kind of an abusive dynamic and was like making me feel like, you know, garbage, mm-hmm. uh, suddenly I felt like I had so much freedom. And when you have freedom, you have control to, to some extent, right? Yeah. So, so that gave me the ability to like, look, I'm still bad at saying no to things. I take on new projects all the time and I like, you know, 
tell people I'll go to things and then realize immediately afterward that I super don't want to and have to figure (laughs) out how to get out of them now. And like, that's, that's always going to be something that I struggle with a little bit, but leaving the, leaving what was an abusive place for me or identifying for yourself what structures are in place that make it hard for you to have any control and finding ways to get out of that is a really good way to, it's a good first step, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it, it makes a difference if you're saying yes out of fear mm-hmm. as opposed to saying no out of fear. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, right? Because you're, you're saying yes to something because you don't want to let people down or you don't want to miss out on an opportunity as opposed to saying yes to it because, like, yeah, that could be great. Because you want to, yeah. 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 I think the, the the fear comes into it as well. So, like, say, for instance, it's, it's a job thing. Like, I had... Um, so I taught media and video games design mm-hmm. and you have kids where they come through and then they're like, oh yeah, but you know, I'm not going to end up doing this. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> and they go, well, you know, we all know there's no money in writing or we all know there's no money in art or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my thing, my kind of response to that is, well, we know there's no money in it, but why do you need the money? Mm-hmm. And they, it's, it's, easy enough to say to um when you have the money but when you don't it's it's difficult to say but when you know why would you earn money and you earn money to live longer well i'd rather have a short happy life (laughs) than a long miserable one chasing money Mm -hmm. yeah and you know why would you want to be on the earth for 80 years when all you're doing is sitting in an office and doing something that you don't want to do. Um, You know, I'd rather be around for 20, 30 years and starve to death because I've got no money, but I've been doing what I want to do that entire time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I was, I had a weird thought the other day where, um, so I heard this interpretation of the matrix where um, I I think most of us kind of saw that movie and it resonated with a lot of people because it was, this feeling of like, oh, this nine to five job that I have, it's like, it's not right. There's something mm-hmm. wrong with the world. I'm not <coughs> happy with it. What if everything exploded and I could do what I wanted? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, somebody said that there, there's actually very much a, a queer interpretation of it where you're seeing somebody who's not comfortable with the way they're presenting themselves in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the world is not accepting of what they want to be. And then they they're able to like, live a much more difficult life where they can actually be free to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And with the Wachowskis uh, both being trans women, like right. I, I 100% believe that that was their intention. Right. But I think that there's something interesting that it resonated with everybody in some similar way of like an existential dread of something is not right with yeah. the way that I am living. Right. And it didn't matter what the cause of it was. It was just that it was a... a feeling that everybody had and like i I mean if i boil down like i work in advertising which is pointless and stupid uh (laughs) it's like i don't make food i don't i don't make medicine i don't do anything productive for society i'm like 12 steps removed from anybody who's doing something real in the world but that's i can't rewrite the way that uh the economy works (laughs) and i i like my job from a day-to-day basis even if it's stupid and it's pointless and i i really can't control the way like if somebody wants to rewrite into a utopian society where all of us just dilly dally and do what we're dedicated to do and love, uh, that would be fantastic. But that's not, 
you know, like Stuart Smalley once said, you, you uh, can't carpet the world, but you can wear slippers. So I, <laughs> I can control these little areas of my life and I can do things that I find engaging and interesting. Uh, and I can also recognize that they're frivolous and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, like you, you have to figure out where you have to figure out which things are making you miserable and, and can also be changed yeah. and then change those things. Um, and if, if none of the things that make you miserable can be changed, you need to just also start doing some things that don't make you miserable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think one of, one of the other kind of key things that I, I've done in life far too many times, actually, when I'm, when I'm thinking about it seriously, is um, take a look at the people around you and go, mm. who out of these people would go to my funeral? Mm. And the people that won't, get them to fuck because they're, they're not worth it they're not worth being in your life like if, if they're not gonna be there for you at your lowest point why should they be there at your highest That's Marilyn legit. Monroe so. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah no but but like that really resonates with me like mm-hmm. I I mean in in leaving the church I ended up severing a lot of ties like not intentionally like there there are a lot of people who like initially i was really sad to no longer be communicating with them Mm -hmm. and like you know i made efforts with a couple of people or whatever but what it really showed me was like who actually cared about me and who just was you know maintaining a relationship because there was a you know that's just what you do status Mm -hmm. thing yeah Yeah. and like it it really I think realizing that it was okay to lose those de facto relationships made me more okay with the idea of cutting off people who treated me like crap. Mm-hmm. Cause like, yeah. Cause, cause when you fall out of touch with people who are nice to you, but don't really care about you that much, suddenly you realize like, okay, well if, if I'm not devastated to no longer be friends, like to no longer be friendly acquaintances with this person who like by all accounts and purposes, I like a lot, but like, we're not like tight then like maybe it's okay to like cut off people who make me feel like garbage right <laughs> i think so <laughs> but, but like you know because because people who make you feel like garbage but who you feel like you owe something to or like you feel like you need to spend time with them or whatever like if you've just been in a crappy friendship for a really long time like it can be so hard to stop being friends with that person like and and you you can stop being friends with them, but it can be really hard to like give yourself permission to do that. It's the, it's the whole like sunken cost fallacy. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sunken cost. But at the same time, like there's a reason we don't, you know, disown our, our families so easily. Uh, Speak for yourself. Well, (laughs) sure. (laughs) But you know, you, you have a a shared history in a way that no one else does. Yeah. And there is a value in that. There is, but, but, you can value the history without continuing it. Oh, I mean, if right. you have a shitty, abusive family, by all means, <laughs> cut them out. I'm not saying right. that that's important, but like, also there, there is worth in there of of trying to make those relationships work because sure. it's where you come from and it, it's a unique perspective of something that no one else has. Yeah, that's it. I, I think at that point, it comes down to like finding ways to make it work, right? And mm-hmm. and that's that's a hard thing and and a thing where you need to know your limits and your boundaries and figure out like okay if i know that this person upsets me when we do 
when we talk about this kind of thing, I'm going to continue to see this person, but I'm going to have a much more casual relationship with them, right? Like, I don't rely on my mom for things most of the time for that exact reason, because we you know, don't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff and she lets me down and I'm like, okay, well like she knows she lets me down. I know she lets me down. If we just have a casual like parent child relationship that like eliminates that possibility, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you don't expect something from someone, (laughs) they Mm -hmm. can't let you down. And like, you know, it's not, you know, my mom doesn't treat me like shit. She just doesn't follow through on stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well I just won't, you know, expect her to. And now we have a pretty good relationship. Yeah, and I think also just being upfront about saying, like, I have a problem with this. Yeah. And we cannot continue to have the same relationship if this is not respected. And if that continues to not be respected, like, warning shots fired. Yeah. Yeah, um, yes. yeah, yeah. And I don't think you need to feel bad about that. Like, right. hmm. you've kind of set it on your terms and you're able to say, like, well, sorry. That's. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, so Kendallin, I guess to, to kind of summarize, figure out what is making you feel like you have no control. If you can change that thing, change it. If you can't uh, <laughs> add things that, that you can control to your life. And if there's people who make you feel like you have no control, reevaluate those relationships. Mm-hmm. Don't necessarily cut them off, but, but be honest with them and, and figure out, you know, how to make yourself feel okay. You know, it's empowering. Just shave your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do just, it. You Get know. a tattoo. <laughs> Punch a Nazi. Just do do something do something that makes you feel strong. Like delete Facebook for yeah. a couple of months. Like I, I've I've been Facebook free for about three years, four years now. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's freeing. It's, it's so, so funny good. that like I hear people say these things, but I worked in social media and I like <laughs> I find it such a chore that it's never going to be something that sucks up my time. Like it's <laughs> never going to be something that I'm like, oh, I'm spending too much time on Facebook. <laughs> I feel you. I, I definitely like there's a part of me. I mean, we could get into this, but there's a there's a part of me that like. I feel like every social media app I have is a chore. Mm. Yeah. And and as a result I don't like sink hours and hours into them, but I definitely like feel like I have to check them all at least once a day cuz I have mm. them. <laughs> they, like somebody literally asked me today if I had Skype like an app like on my phone <laughs> and I went Oh, no, because <laughs> it's my instant reaction if somebody tells me I need an app that I'm like a fuck another app. <laughs> I don't want to do it. And he wasn't even asking that, but he was like, "Whoa, that was defeated." <laughs> my boss asked me like two years ago. He tried to get everyone at the company using Trello, which is like a mm. task management app. And I was like, "How about you just email me anything you need me to do, and I'll do it." <laughs> and I like actively resisted it for long enough that eventually he just dropped it so how about you use a post-it yeah <laughs> like, that would be great that's what i do somebody tried to get me to join snapchat i downloaded it and they asked me to create a login i was like nah, i'm not into it <laughs> snapchat is the, the social media i am closest to giving up because when i open it it takes three times before my phone opens it without crashing oh, no. <laughs> but i still check it once a day just oh. in case someone's story is important <laughs> It, and it's never important. No, it's the not. only one I like is Instagram because I like cute pictures, and right. that's it. And, but that's like the only one I have now. I've got, I've got Twitter because right. of the because it's our job, right? You know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. aside from that, like 
Yeah. When oh. I worked in marketing, I swear to God, every company was just like looking for permission to not have Twitter. <laughs> oh, Jesus. we've got the time. The, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> the studio the is attacking. That's the first time one has fallen onto the table. It jumped recording. out. It leapt off the wall. <laughs> Free me. Dear God. That panel took took control of its life. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it committed suicide. <laughs> oh, God. Please don't do that. Don't, no. no, do not do not do that. Oh, it, no. Not an advocate of Super it. Super duper don't. <laughs> All right, so uh, should we take a little turn into the wild, wild web? Wicked, wicked, wild, wild web. I'm going to continue <laughs> my uh, thing that was not really on the internet to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> that I put onto the internet because of my obsession with it. So the the Boda Boda spa ads mm-hmm. in the Montreal like metros, they're all over Montreal. And uh, I've seen a few people on my Facebook posting about like, these are super weird ads. A couple of people at work have been like, these are super weird ads. And then I was like, why does the dude in the ad look exactly like Barack Obama? And then everybody had the same reaction of, oh my God, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so so have you, you've you got an update for us on this. I do have an update. Uh, so I got a little obsessed with it. I went down the rabbit hole. I started just Googling male models in Montreal and sending them DMs on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> who hasn't been there perfect way to spend a friday yeah. i will say i also once spent an afternoon uh either playing uh, uh arg or uh hacking a lady's email on AOL. <laughs> <laughs> so i have not i've been known to go a little overboard uh, <laughs> with a, a bit of a mystery so i found an inside contact uh, with the, the Boda Boda people. I will not out anybody. <laughs> Turns out the guy in the ad mm-hmm. is a masseuse. Okay. So he, he works there. He apparently does not look like Barack Obama. A masseuse is... or a massage therapist? Because there's an important distinction there. Is there? Yeah. Especially in Montreal. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, with the French. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So he's probably a massage therapist. Yes. Yeah. They only call women? No, no. A masseuse is the one that has a happy ending. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a distinction in Chicago. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> anyway, so, so he works there. Yeah, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, he uh, he's a massage therapist there. And uh, a, a lot of people have also commented on, like, it's a very weirdly sexualized I- I image yeah. and that a lot of the ads are, like, really odd. And what somebody pointed out to me, and I immediately felt like an idiot, they are reproductions of famous works of arts. So oh. That is Klimt's Kiss. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's why he's wrenching her neck at a really weird angle. Right. And uh, and some of them are very subtle. Like, there's one of, of Venus de Milo that I had not seen anywhere. Okay. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, that one's really obvious. There's one of, like, two cherub children that's, like, a reproduction of a famous painting. But I'm like, you can't put a child in a hot tub. <laughs> I think you could. <laughs> it seems wrong on the face of it. Huh. Uh, so that that is most of the mystery solved. Okay. Do so. So I find that really interesting, actually, because I was not expecting it to be just one of their employees in an ad. It had occurred to me that it might be, but I it was a whole ad campaign. So yeah. I, I figured it was a model, but that's it. Like, do so working in advertising. Do companies often like? I would assume that they usually outsource and find models for their ads, but. Is this a thing that happens often that they hire from within? I think it depends on the budget. Okay. 
Uh, Depends on if anybody's hot that works for him, I guess. Yeah, they have right. very attractive. <laughs> they have very attractive people that work at Bodo. I once got a massage there from a guy that, like, I was like, "Well, this is just uncomfortable." Like, I've never seen somebody so good looking in my entire life, and he's going to spend the next hours touching me, and I'm right. like. Ah. <laughs> I I've gotten massages from exactly two people in my life. The first time was a massage at like a massage spa place that Simon got me a birth uh, gift certificate for my birthday like 3 or 4 years ago and I hated it, but <laughs> mostly because um the radio in the room wasn't working, so it was in complete silence. Oh, that's okay. awkward. And it was just kind of like, I don't know you, you're touching my body, I don't <laughs> like this. And like, they also made you leave your shoes at the door, and for some reason, I guess I was just feeling anxious that day, but the entire time I was on the table, I was like, what if someone steals my shoes? Which is not a thing that happens, <laughs> but like, you know, I, I thought about it, because I saw holes when I was a kid, and that's how that movie starts, <laughs> with someone stealing shoes. Okay. Um, so, so I hated that. And the only other person who's ever given me a massage is a guy I went to high school with named Nate, who uh, I think was on an early episode of this show, actually. Uh, good friend of mine. He's like a massage therapist professionally in school now to be an osteo. Like he's legit. And I just, you know, he needed people to massage uh, like for practice mm-hmm. and what, you know did that. I was one of his people for a long time and then paid him a bunch of times after that. And he's wonderful. And, and like... There's something really nice about getting a massage from someone who like you trust and are comfortable with. But also it's just nice having a massage therapist who like you can talk to about stuff without feeling weird about it because you know them. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I I'm not a person who can just lie there in silence and occasionally like grunt if they like push real hard. I need to actually like engage with the person who's working my body because otherwise I will feel like it's a servant like relationship oh i don't don't even like like talking to my hairdresser oh i love talking to my hairdresser Mm. she's she's a real nice lady (laughs) my hairdresser is a very nice lady but i feel very awkward i'm like (laughs) i have a task to do i i respect you as a professional to do that job i don't want to have to sit here and try to think of ways to connect on a personal (laughs) level while we do it not that i don't want to i just it's a lot of energy for my saturday (laughs) that's why i like to go to the same person every time Mm. like if i can like I've gotten my last two tattoos from the same person. Uh, I'm probably going to try to to go to the same person every time because mm-hmm. it's like you build that rapport and then you don't feel weird about it. And it's, mm-hmm. you know. Tattoo's a little different. I had a really good time when I had my tattoo done. Yeah. We were laughing. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it, right? Like the, uh, to me, like getting a haircut, getting a tattoo, getting a massage, it's the same thing. It's just a different <laughs> part of your body that's being worked on. But they're all people who their profession is... One where they work on other people's bodies to make them feel good about themselves, right? They're all kind of the oldest profession in the world, isn't it? Right. Like true. Each one of them has always been around. That's it. Yeah. If you don't want to te- talk to your hairdresser, grow a beard because like, <laughs> I have an excuse. Like, if I move, it will go wrong. So, oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> you ever paid for the close shave? I, I, I used to when I, I did not have the beard. Right. Um, I used to do it myself. Actually. Oh, wow. Um, but. My hands have got very shaky. Mm. So part of that and part of laziness, I know, have the beard. Fair enough. Um, I need a haircut, though, and a bedroom. But. Yeah. I, I one time paid my barber to also do the clothes shave on me, mm-hmm. and it was a really cool experience, but then I was itchy. Cause like, oh, yeah. No, it happens yeah. like that. I, yeah. um, the, the, I have a horror story of this. <laughs> um, I went to... 
it was either in Morocco or Egypt. It was in North Africa for sure. And um, I was getting one done and I God knows what the guy was doing, like whether he'd not done it before and just thought, fuck it, I'll give it a try <laughs> or or what. But I literally had like gouges out of oh. my face where he'd kind of gone and he um like you know your chin dim- chin dimple sure i yeah. don't have one okay he made one <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah yeah that's awful not not good not good fine um but when i'd gone to turkey and done it it is amazing it's hmm. so good and they are excellent at what they do obviously like it's a bit far to go for canada but like when i'm in the uk like turkey's right. not that far so right. um but the, the the only time that really takes you by surprise is like they go oh lean your head back so i lent my head back and they started shoving stuff up my nose and i was like oh okay i wonder what this is and he was like just breathe through your mouth for now and i was like okay and then um he goes okay you ready and i was like what and he goes Doof! and it was wax ah. <laughs> he just shoved up my nose oh, and God. i was like okay and then he went hmm Men normally cry at this. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, no, it's just the shock. Like, that's going to come in a minute. Like, give me time, man. Give me time. You are a very trusting individual. <laughs> oh, man. The, the closest story, because I, 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 I obviously have no beard story. <laughs> but I had a, a terrible uh, gynecologist and I threw <laughs> some wax in there and then injected it. No, she's doing a pap smear and she's like scraping. So she just goes, "Whoops!" Oh <laughs> no! And I was like, "Well, that's not what you want to hear." Oh. And she's like, "I think I nicked a blood vessel. This is really oh. bleeding a lot." Oh, oh, oh God! That was not happening when I came in. I'm like, I don't have. A vagina, and I'm <laughs> feeling phantom pains. <laughs> she had to put a tampon in there just to like soak up the blood. <laughs> oh wow! Mm. Oh. <laughs> Do not recommend. Oh. So, so that is the thrilling conclusion to our photo boat adventure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I'm now. I kind of want to go there until I meet him. Well, I can give you his name. I don't want to out him, but uh, you can go and assess. Oh, I just want to see how many times I have to go before he happens to be the one. Sure. I saw a Yelp review said he was very good. <laughs> That's good. Maybe we could get him on the podcast. <laughs> you said you've been DMing a bunch of male models in Montreal. What if for the month of March we only interview male models? I bet they'd come. <laughs> they were very eager to respond. <laughs> Uh, should we? We've got time to dive into the turtle's butt for Let's one question. Talking about going uncomfortably deep inside. Of <laughs> yeah, do the honors. Patron Jillian asks, "What is your favorite animal and why?" All right, favorite animal and why? Uh, oh boy, that's actually a real hard one. <laughs> for me, this is easy. Okay, because um, I was a well. This is another element of my life. I was a safari guide in Africa. Wow. Um, and the animal that I had wanted to see for so long, and I got to see from a very, very far distance, mm. is a honey badger. Um, <laughs> it's known as a ratal. Right. Um, and they are kick ass. They are like <laughs> the most vicious thing that you could ever think of. Um, mm. It's about the size of 
three Arizona cans stacked on top of each other. Okay. Um, not sponsored, just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a reference. So I was like, yeah, that's about me. Um, <laughs> and they are, are mental. Like, there'll be a pack of lions and the honey badger will come over, kick them off the food and then take it. Wow. Um, they have fought hyenas. They, there's a amazing, like, documentary online by Nat Geo who um, the honey badger gets bitten by a puff adder, which is a very dangerous snake in general, uh, kills the puff adder, falls asleep. They think it's dead. It then wakes up, eats the puff adder, and trots off. Wow. <laughs> um, they have such loose skin that they can turn around inside their own skin and still attack you. So, oh like, if, <laughs> if you grab it from behind and you think you're safe, no, it'll turn around and, like, still claw at you. Whoa. And then the most terrifying thing, and this is, like, because um, in a, in Africa there's a lot of kind of bush stories and you kind of, you know, you, you, you make things up and scare things about things. Sure. All of this is real. Um, <laughs> they attack the groin because it's the quickest place that an animal will bleed out. Oh, wow. And they know this. So then they, they go for it. And it's like one of the only things that elephants huh. are scared of is huh. a honey badger. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and final thing, cheetah cubs are uh, at birth have a odd quirk where they don't have um, spots. They have like a white stripe down the back. Hmm. And people think it's because it's to make them look like a honey badger. Oh. And it's that kind of camouflage that right. you know keeps other predators away because they're like, oh crap, no, I'm staying away from that thing. That's amazing. So yeah, I feel <laughs> ill-equipped to answer this question now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I have, kind of, I'm kind of torn between two because I really like horses. I'm just gonna, I know you do. <laughs> I'm just going to put that. That's like a like it's cliche for me at this point to say that a horse is my favorite. So I'm going to actually try to like I'm also a big bird guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I really can't think of like a specific bird that I like. And I don't want to like say horses. and I don't want to say birds in general. So <laughs> so I'm going to go in a totally different direction here and say my favorite animal to see at the biodome <laughs> because we have a, a place here in Montreal called the biodome. That's like a big animal zoo thing. Kind of, I don't know how to describe it. Um, yeah, it's not quite a zoo and it's, no, yeah. it's like an eco thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a bit like the Eden project in the UK, but there's more animals in it. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, you, you go in and you go through a sort of like, predetermined path through mm. like four different sort of mini ecosystems that they've built yeah. it's really cool there but the first room's really humid and then you go somewhere a little more dry and then there's one that's just a dark tunnel with bats and then you get to see some penguins at the end mm-hmm. and it's all like you know it's great my favorite animal to see there is the capybara because every time I see it I'm like this is not a real animal because <laughs> it's like it what what they are basically is enormous guinea pigs yeah it's like someone took a guinea pig and said let's make that thing like four (laughs) feet long and built like a brick shit house and i just i think there's something really nice about an animal that looks like the final stage pokemon evolution of another animal (laughs) and and i think the biodome has one capybara because i only ever see one when i go there but every time i go it's like 
okay, I'm in the room that's too humid. There's a lot of nice birds in here, but I'm here for one thing and one mm-hmm. thing only. It's not the sloth because the sloth is kind of fun for half a second until you realize that's all it's going to do. <laughs> but I'm here to see the capybara. When I see that guy, I know my day is going to be good. Would you like to hear a business plan a friend of mine had about capybara? <laughs> <laughs> you know I would. <laughs> My friend uh, decided because land in Detroit was very uh, cheap because the audio industry was failing and they were just like giving away land basically to get anybody to move there. Uh, He'd also discovered that the Catholic Church had declared the capybara a fish so that (laughs) the people in a particular region would not starve to death (laughs) because they were sort of aquatic and they didn't want these people to just die (laughs) because they were Catholic and they were not supposed to eat meat on like a Friday or whatever. So uh, he was like, I will farm capybara in Detroit. (laughs) It's incredible. Wow. I don't think that plan got any follow through. (laughs) But for some reason, that entire story just sits in my mind every time I hear the word capybara. That's amazing. Yeah. Detroit, actually, fun fact, um, is still cheap, uh, (laughs) real estate-wise. I was watching, oh God, uh, it was like one of the Anthony Bourdain things, and he goes to Detroit in an episode, and uh, he's like talking to them about everything. And from, from what I recall, and this was a while ago, um, both my memory of it and actually the episode was even longer ago before that, but it was something to the effect of a lot of property in Detroit is just not owned by anyone. So if you come squat in it, you can legally declare it as yours and there's nothing anyone can do about yeah. it. And you could start a capybara farm. Yeah. <laughs> so all the power to that guy, he could do it. Sure. <laughs> Detroit's like the Glasgow of America, yeah? Maybe. I, like, I think Glasgow's doing a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, like... So where where I came from in Scotland is Paisley, right? Mm -hmm. And we're the stabbing capital of Europe. Stabbing? Stabbing capital of Europe. But we're also voted the friendliest place in Europe. Okay. So, you know, I kind of get that vibe from Detroit where it's like, you know, we'll stab you, but we'll phone you an ambulance afterwards. I don't know if it's dangerous. (laughs) I think it's just sad. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. From from my understanding, what happened with Detroit was that there were... Like, it was, like, the booming capital of, like, automotive things. And then at some point, everyone with money moved to the coast moved instead elsewhere. and was like, let's move to New York. Let's move to L.A. And then it just kind of, like, like all of it crumbled as a result of this. And yeah. then, no, it has never, like, really recovered. It's kind of like Paisley, but in Paisley it was shipbuilding. Okay. And then um, they they built all the ships and then people got injured doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because the shipbuilding industry kind of fell completely collapsed. It's similar to what the epidemic going on in like Flint and places mm-hmm. like that is yeah. now where people had to take painkillers because of the pain that they had at work. Mm. Right. Then started feeling addicted to it, told right. a doctor they were addicted to it, got taken off completely and then moved to heroin. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, it's That's exactly a, what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Except for like, I think it, it's not even like a doctor is no. trying to take it away from you. It's just like, I can't afford to take right. this anymore. Yeah. Like, Heroin's yeah. much cheaper. Yeah. So it's a whole other thing. In the, with yeah. That. yeah. Uh, I, I'm just going to throw out there. There's so many animals and I'm sure there's something more interesting and relevant, but I'm going to just say quackas because I remember the day that somebody told me that quackas existed and I was having a hard day and I looked it up on the internet and they are little smiley rodents. (laughs) The world's happiest animal. Q-U-O-K-K-A. 
Q-U-O-K-K-A. I wish I wish somebody was recording this moment. <laughs> I'm going to see what this <laughs> This moment like. that you see a quokka? <laughs> oh, they're nice. <laughs> they smile. Yeah. I like that. Okay. All right. And I'm they just walk it. up to people and they're smiley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, this guy's nice. This is like the... This is like the in-between stage of a guinea pig and a capybara. <laughs> no, you know what this is? This is like a small kangaroo with no pouch. Maybe the, this is like the baby version. So this is like Gen 3 when they do the baby version of yeah. guinea pig. That's it. Someone was like, oh, we got we to gotta figure out what the baby version of this is. Oh, that's beautiful. I like it. Why do they smile? They just smile. They're, They're just, just smiling. High on life. They, yeah. they took control of their lives. And yeah. Decided. <laughs> I will say dick dicks also. It is a oh, small dick like. Are amazing. It, it's like, um, it's in, like a deer almost, right? Yeah, yeah. In anime, like when they make like the cute baby version with the big eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that of a deer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it. a it's, tiny. It's foot, like a tiny toy. Foot tall exactly. deer with enormous eyes. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna throw it out there. My other favorite one is the kakapo, which is a flightless parrot in New Zealand, I believe. And oh. it's my favorite animal because it's a flightless parrot that's forgotten it's flightless. <gasps> so when you scare it, it climbs up a tree and jumps off and kills itself. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no surprise, they're very highly endangered. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, you have to like get a bunch of those and protect them. It, it, it's tragic. It's that's like incredible. the world's most... Oh. Like terrifying. Like I, I can just imagine all the conserv- like uh, conservationists running yeah. around with like nets. Like, <laughs> just, like no, don't do it. <laughs> you have to like scare them on purpose to get them up into the tree, and then catch them when they jump down. <laughs> tie the net and bring them to a safe space with no trees. Just a padded room. <laughs> yeah, just level ground. There's nothing sadder with like just an animal with like a really tragic, sweet flaw. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Darwin. <laughs> like almost single like handed uh made the giant tortoise extinct because he's like these are very tasty and they just (laughs) (laughs) they don't fight back at all (laughs) i always just think of lemmings where they're like we're just gonna run straight in a line and see what happens that's a lie though disney did that to them what yeah disney 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 pushed them off a cliff (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh no (laughs) they don't do that at all oh what no, that, that, there's a thing, um, there's a movie called The Gods Must Be Crazy as well, also Disney, where they said, oh, these animals get drunk off of the marula fruit, and there's a alcoholic drink called Amarula, mm-hmm. and it's a similar thing. All they did was trank the animals, and they kind of staggered about, and they were like, oh, look, it looks like they're drunk. Oh, my God. And made up a story. Yeah. Wow. To be fair, I think they were trying to simulate something that they thought was a real thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they heard a rumor, and they were like, well, we got to get a shot of that. They're wow. not doing it. <laughs> George. <laughs> I heard people get addicted to opiates. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Uh, that feels like a good place to end. Sure. <laughs> uh, if you guys like this episode, consider supporting us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can throw a question into the turtle's butt, and it really goes a long way to help us uh, keep the foam adhered to the walls <laughs> in our studio. Uh, we have merch, so if you don't want to support us on Patreon, but you do want to give us like $4, you can go buy a $20 t-shirt, because that's how that math works out. Uh, you can click the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, which is genuinely the best way for the show to grow we haven't gotten a new one in a while so if you're listening for the first time 
maybe do it. Mm. If you're listening for the 209th time and you've never left a review yet, go do it. Do it. <laughs> or you're dead to us. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's basically it. Yeah. Uh, share this episode with a friend who needs to regain control of their life uh, or with a friend who uh, jumps off trees when they're scared. Oh. <laughs> A daredevil, if you will. Yeah, do it soon, because they might not (laughs) not make it. (laughs) We'll share it with the Pokemon lover. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, (laughs) You can follow us on Twitter at DownWithTalking, and each of us individually. I'm at Tom Zalatni. I'm at BoxlessThoughts. I'm at MarksOut of 100. Sweet. Uh, Anything to plug, bearing in mind this comes out on February 26th. Uh, obviously check out blasting off again yeah like, <laughs> uh, simplest plug <laughs> yeah. uh, go download that trailer episode and then uh tune in for the uh, first four episodes on the 27th i always like to plug somebody or something that i just i think is going uh well mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> for someone else uh i I'll, I'll plug i i'm still listening to knowledge fight it's another podcast i enjoy a lot um you know or uh, the magnus archives just go throw out some recos um, for myself, I just want to kind of shout out to CCS, Community Collective Community Services in Montreal. Um, if you have a low income or and have a small child and want some activities and stuff like that, go and check them out on Facebook. Um, they run a lot of different things. I've recently been running a father's group, um, going bowling, ice fishing, all these kind of things for free. So definitely worth checking them out. Uh, based in Verdun. Um, around that area, but they do things all over the city. Sweet. You are lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Why, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so check all that stuff out. Special thanks to Crackers and Jam for letting us use the title track off their EP Benson as our theme song. Uh, You can find all their music for sale at crackersandjam.bandcamp.com. And this show is produced and edited by Tom Zalatni for the Upford Network. You can find out about all of our great shows at upfordnetwork.com. <laughs> we'll see you guys next right, week. Bye. In March, when we'll interview a male model. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>